Good morning, everyone. Well, Jason Rummel, one of our pastors, him and his family are on vacation. He just sent me a text tuning in from Pensacola, Florida. So good morning, Rummel family. Uh, today we are going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit entitled For Our Advantage. If you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it will be projected behind us, so no problem there. Let me pray and then we're going to jump in. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for um, interceding on our behalf. Thank you for ascending to the Father so that we would have the Holy Spirit in us. Lord, we pray we would all encounter you. We would be emboldened to share you with others. And we pray for anyone watching online or in this room who doesn't yet know you that um, you would open their eyes to, to see their need for a Savior and to turn from their sins and trust in you. So we're asking big things this morning, and we expect that you will answer them because you are gracious and powerful. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, we've been going through our series on the Holy Spirit for uh, the last number of weeks. We're going to continue through the, through the month of August. And today's subject is one I get very excited about, but I, I understand that a lot of people don't get as excited about it, but hopefully by the end, we'll all be excited about it. And that's this. We're going to look at um, the idea that the Holy Spirit empowers us to share Jesus with others. So the title is, The Holy Spirit Empowers Us for Bold Witness. So we're going to talk about the subject of evangelism and connect it to the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism. Now, I'm not naive. I realize for some of you either watching or in this room, the subject of evangelism can kind of feel like the, the equivalent of going to the dentist for a checkup, and the dentist asks you the question, have you been flossing? And then you're thinking, how do I answer this question without saying no? Well, I have floss in my, my cabinet in my bathroom, um, I'm the owner of Floss. I actually flossed right before I came to this appointment like I do every year. Um, there's different ways to answer that question without just saying no, because you know you should be doing it. Um, or it's like going to your, your medical doctor, and uh, he or she says, you know, how's your, your diet and exercise going? Well, I have a gym membership. I own running shoes. And uh, we buy salads that go old in the fridge um, every so often. So I understand that, that when it comes to sharing Jesus, some of you just feel uncomfortable. You're like, oh, I know I should do this. I want to do this. I want to get better at it. But I just, just get stuck at times. Now, there are some of you in this room or watching online that um, for you, the subject of sharing Jesus is more like answering the question, would you like dessert? Would you like ice cream, cheesecake? What would you like? And you would like it all because when it comes to evangelism for you, you love talking about Jesus. You love telling others about Jesus. And most likely in this room, that's probably the smaller percentage. So if you picture a spectrum, we'll call it the eagerness to share the gospel spectrum. We're kind of all over that spectrum. And my hope from God's word today is that we would move along on that spectrum, that you would, you would ask the Lord to help you, give you opportunities to share Jesus with others. So that's where we're heading. Look at the book of Acts, 
chapter 1. We're going to be jumping all around, but Acts chapter 1, which takes us to the first point. The Holy Spirit empowers us to tell others about Jesus. We're going to see one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in the life of Christians is to empower us to share Jesus with others. So look at the book of Acts. We'll pick it up here. Luke writes, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He's talking to his disciples. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father's fixed by his own authority. But here's what you need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to do what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus is ascending to the Father. And when they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And he said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you to heaven. He will come in the same way as you saw him go. So, context, the disciple of Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the grave. Now he's ascended to the Father. And they're, they're looking like we would. If we, if we saw somebody kind of float into the sky, I think it's natural we'd all look up. So they're all looking up. But the angels are saying, don't, don't do that. That same Jesus is going to come back. But here's what you need to do. You need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn a lot about the 12 disciples. We, we get to see them in all their kind of human frailty, weaknesses. Uh, we, we learn at times they're, they're really bold. At times they're, they're cowards. At times they're thinking of themselves and not others. Um, in other words, they're just like we are. They're, they're just like we are. And that should encourage you. We're going to see that these men, at times, are very sinfully silent in their um, connection to Jesus, in their identifying with Jesus. They actually are cowardly at times. So we're going to go kind of backwards from the book of Acts to the night that Jesus was betrayed. And we're going we're gonna to see Peter, one of the twelve apostles, and we're going to see how he responds when he was asked a very simple question. Are you, are you one of those Jesus followers? So this is Peter who becomes um, an author of the New Testament, one of the lead apostles. But this is before all that happened, before the Holy Spirit has emboldened him and empowered him. So, this is the night Jesus is betrayed. Luke 22. I want you to picture this in your mind. Then they seized him and led him away. This is, they took their teacher. They took Jesus. Bringing him to the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. So he's warming himself up by the fire. Jesus has just been handed over. Then a servant girl, this is a younger girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, here's what she said. This man was also with him. This is one of those Jesus followers. 
But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. This is Peter who has spent three years spending time with Jesus all the time, seeing Jesus do great miracles. I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. I'm not with him. And after, and a little later, someone else saw him. This is verse 58. And said, you are also one of them, one of those Jesus followers. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, certainly this man was with him, for he too is a Galilean. His accent betrayed him. Kind of like identifying somebody from Pittsburgh. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, just like Jesus predicted. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to them, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly the very night Jesus was betrayed and arrested. This is the Apostle Peter, the one who is going to give his life for the cause of Christ had three opportunities put right in front of him to fully identify with Jesus. And he denied every single one of them. Now we're going to get in a time machine. We're going to go forward now 50-ish days later to the day of Pentecost. And I want you to listen to this same man about a month and a half later. Same, Same guy. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. The them is Jewish people from all over the region there to celebrate Pentecost. And here's what he says. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. So he stands up in a very large crowd and boldly, you can read it for yourself, proclaims that Jesus is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. Line for line, he just keeps going through it. With great courage, great boldness. The same man said to a teenage girl, I don't, I don't even know who he is, 50 plus days before. Now I want you to listen to how, how Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, ends this sermon, this first debut moment where he is speaking boldly for Jesus. Just to hear his courage. Acts 2, verse 38 through 41. And Peter said to them, to the large crowd, men, women, and children, some very educated, Old Testament educated people would have been in this crowd. Far more educated than Peter. So what he says to them, repent And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he went for the jugular. He's calling them to make a decision. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Now listen to the effect. Verse 41. 
So those who received his words and were baptized, they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people that were not going to be in eternity with God forever were now going to be in eternity with God forever because they responded with faith and repentance and trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as Peter boldly proclaimed the gospel. So if you're tracking, a natural question is, how in the world did that happen? What happened? Why did Peter go from being so cowardly and timid to so bold in a really short amount of time? Well, the answer is that the Holy Spirit filled Peter. The Holy Spirit, who we've learned so far, has he's our counselor. He's the one who draws near to us in suffering. He's the one who produces change and growth in our lives. He is also the one who will give us power to tell others about Jesus. So you might be thinking, does this mean I have to go from being like really afraid to do this to now I have to be in a large crowd and just interrupt everything and just start preaching? No, that's not what that means. Maybe that's what God has for you, but most likely in your normal lives, whether it's at work or doing fun things, whatever you do for fun or on a sports team or at band camp or family reunion um, or at the gas station or at the grocery store, wherever you are, one of the things the Lord wants to do is freshly fill you with His Holy Spirit and give you courage to tell others about Him. So, let's look at that spectrum again. You put yourself on that spectrum. You're somewhere on this eagerness to share the gospel spectrum. Maybe you're at 0.1. Maybe you're at a billion. Um, ask the Lord to move you along. That He will help you to want to share your faith. Now, part of it, I think one of the things the Holy Spirit does, this has been my experience, is He will give you a love and a compassion for people. And as He does that, you will be talking and sharing Jesus even when you maybe didn't think you would. Because you are so moved with love and compassion for people that you really believe that God is holy. Humans are sinful. Consequently, we deserve hell and wrath. And Jesus came to rescue if you really believe that and then you're moved with compassion for people and you're filled with the Holy Spirit freshly, you will have courage and boldness to point others to Jesus Christ. Here's a couple of scriptures. I want you to jot these down or remember them. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to impress these three scriptures upon your heart. These are three that the Lord over the years has deeply impressed upon my heart and soul and really um, motivates me to want to tell others about Jesus. First is this from Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. When Jesus looked out and he saw the masses, he had compassion for them. He knows, I mean, think about this. This is a wild thing. This is where we're very different. So Jesus Fully God, fully man. When he sees the crowd, he knows exactly what the crowd's thinking. 
He knows who's upset with him. He knows who's having evil thoughts. He knows who's wanting to cause harm. He knows everything, the intentions of the heart. And yet, he looks out at them, and he has love and compassion. So a prayer would be, Lord, would you give me Jesus' heart for people? Would you give me love and compassion for the messiest, the most confused? Because it says, because... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, meaning God is going to save a large group of people. But the workers, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Pray, ask the Lord to give you Jesus' heart for the lost. Very similar scripture, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man, that's a title for Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. The whole reason He came to earth was to seek and save the lost. The broken, the hurt, the guilty, the ashamed, the internally conflicted. He came to set people free. So here's the wild thing. He wants to use you to introduce people who are lost and in turmoil and broken and hurt, so that He can set them free. That is a real privilege that we get to be a part of. So pray, ask the Lord to give you that heart. Mark 2.17 And when Jesus heard it, He said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. So like, you don't go to the doctor generally when you feel great. Why are you here today? I feel great. I feel so good. My heart's good. My blood pressure's good. I just feel great, and I wanted to see you. That's not why you go. You definitely don't go to the emergency room because you feel great. No, you go when there's a problem. And that's what Jesus is saying, spiritually speaking. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So pray, ask the Holy Spirit to give you compassion, give you boldness, give you faith that the Lord can save any and all. It doesn't matter how confused and afflicted and and tangled in sin somebody is. Jesus loves them, desires to set them free. And he wants to use you to introduce that person to the king of the universe. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be compelled, you will be compelled to tell people about Jesus. I mean, think about this. If I just said right now, there are free Big Macs at McDonald's from 12 to 2 today for anybody that comes. I bet most of you, especially those of you who like fast food, which is probably most of us, um, you're just going to tell people. You're just going to tell people. Why are you going to tell people? Because it's news. It's good news. Hey, there's free Big Macs at McDonald's. Call everybody. Get on your phone. Get on your social media stuff and just tell everybody there's free stuff. So that's, that's a few dollar hamburger, and we would just naturally share it. I mean, you think of something bigger. Hey, they're giving out $1,000 at S&T Bank for the first 100 people that come and open an account at 10 a.m. or let's say 11 a.m. Some of you would just be like, oh, you know what? 
I forgot. I got to get something out of the car. I'll be right back. And, you know, one by one, the room would get kind of empty. Well, and then you might, you know, you at least tell your kids, right? Hey, guys, you got to open an account. thousand free dollars. We have something so far greater. You have received eternal life if you've turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ. And he wants us to share it. It is good, free news to be shared. It won't always be received well, but we're to share it. So ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you. With the passion you would tell somebody when you found something at a yard sale. Or a milestone in your, your family has happened and you put it all over Facebook. Ask the Lord to give you that excitement. Second point, kind of along the same lines. The Holy Spirit frees us to not be ashamed of the gospel. The Holy Spirit frees us to not be ashamed of Jesus. Peter was ashamed, and then he was completely unashamed. We want to experience that transformation. The Apostle Paul writes this, Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed because in this good news is power that transforms lives. That brings people from spiritual death to spiritual life. I'm not ashamed of that, he says. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek or to the non-Jew. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For in it, in the gospel, is a way to have a relationship with the maker, creator of heaven and earth that is not based on our performance but it's based solely on Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, and absolutely perfect. That's good news. Everyone who turns to Jesus, puts their trust in Jesus, forsakes their sinful life and past, forsakes their self-righteous moral life and past, and just goes all in with Jesus. Saved forever. The Holy Spirit wants to free us to not be ashamed of the good news. I mean, think of all the weird things that people in, let's just pick on our country, in our country will get excited about and just go all in on. So like, I know some of you are in the, like this, so I'm not making fun of you. You know who you are. But like you think of Star Trek conventions and stuff like some people just like they go all in they like go all in in costumes and maybe even plastic surgery to look like certain characters they go all in and they're not ashamed they are fully in i can judge them they're just in the point is we should be like that we want to go all in steve i saw you point to yourself <laughs> unless you <laughs> um we want to go all in with jesus not be ashamed. Like, I'm with Him. My Savior. My Lord. The one, when I was all broken and tangled up in sin, called me out by name. I want to be with Him. 
I want to tell others about them. The Holy Spirit will help you. See, there's something the Bible calls the fear of man that just kind of puts a clamp on our mouth at times. I've experienced this clamp on my mouth where bold, I'm excited about Jesus, and then depending on who's there, completely silent. Listen to what happens in the Bible. Here's a real life example of of this happening. This is in John chapter 12. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. So we got some influential people that heard Jesus teach, probably heard about his miracles, and they were in. They believed in him. They were going to put their trust in him. But listen to what happened. But for fear of the Pharisees, fear of this certain religious sect that was very powerful and influential among the Jewish people, for fear of the Pharisees, they didn't confess it. They believed, and then so-and-so walked into the room, and their mouth was shut. And then John's going to diagnose what happened. So there's a couple reasons that they didn't confess it. They thought they would not be put, they thought they'd be put out of the synagogue, so there'd be some consequences if they identify with Jesus, which there will be at times. And verse 43, this is the probing diagnosis. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You could just simply say they wanted people to like them. They wanted people to like them. We want people to like us, right? I want people to like me at times. But we don't want to be silenced about Jesus because we want people to like us. See, if we're moved with that compassion that we just read about a little bit ago, we get to a place where we love people so much that whether they like us or not is not our primary concern. It's just not. We want them to know the living water that Jesus offers. We want them to know freedom. And we know that at times when we share Jesus, they may not like us in the moment. But that's not our primary concern. It's kind of like being a parent. There are times where you, like, hey guys, the goal isn't that you like us right now. (laughs) We love you. We think this is best for you. And this is what we're going to have to do. If you like us, that's kind of a bonus. But right now, that's not what we're going for. We are going to help you. That's what it has to be like when we identify with Jesus and we want to be unashamed of Jesus. Now, here's a, a little important thing for you to know, that the moment you trusted in Jesus, if you are a Christian, you actually are already a chosen ambassador for him. You are on the spectrum of gospel eagerness sharing, whether you want it to be or not. Because the very moment he saved you, stamped ambassador. Maybe you can't see it, but you are his ambassador. What's an ambassador? All an ambassador is is an official representative of a, of a country, of a person, of, a, of significance. So you are an official ambassador of King Jesus if you've trusted in Jesus. I'm not making this up. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are made alive from the inside out. 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to us, us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, we are enemies of God apart from Christ. He reconciled that relationship. And now we're to be ambassadors that introduce Jesus so people can be reconciled. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now here's your official stamp. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are, if you know Him. You are His ambassador. God making His appeal through us. I mean, think about that. That is incredible. As an ambassador, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, say your stomach feels sick, you feel nervous, your throat's dry, you get the words out, God is actually appealing through you to that person. And if they respond, you get to be a part of someone going from eternal death, wrath, and deserving hell to eternal life. God 